Earlier this week, I was listening to an interview on NPR, uh, and the host was interviewing one of the directors of the emergency department of one of Boston's largest hospitals. And this doctor said something that really changed my perspective that I'd like to share with you all uh, this morning. So the interview was about wrapping up, they were about closing, and the doctor said to the host, hey, I really appreciate what you guys are doing and, and how much the public is really praising and thanking all the doctors and nurses for being really heroic during these times. But there's something about the language that's being used that I'd like to suggest that we think differently about. And he said, it's about calling doctors and nurses people on the front lines. We've, we've heard that language a lot, a lot, how they're on the front lines. And he said this, when you think about it, we're not on the front lines, we're the last resort. People come to us for help when they're in rough shape and are desperate for help. I hope that everyone listening now realizes that they are on the front lines. The choices you make are what is going to help us defeat this pandemic. Doctors and nurses are just being heroic from the back lines trying to help people recover. But you all are the ones who are going to help, who are going to prevent people from getting sick to begin with and prevent from this being spread further by social distancing and taking everything seriously. So I'd never heard anything like this before because I too was considering all of our healthcare professionals as people on the front lines. But when you think about it, that language front lines comes from the military and soldiers who are on the front lines are the ones who are out on the battlefield, the ones who are leading the charge. The medics, those are people in the back trying to save people who got hurt, helping soldiers who are wounded or injured to recover so that they can be well and go back out on the field again. In this interview, it made me realize that we are not supposed to be spectators in all of this. We are frontline soldiers called to work in this battle against COVID-19. What I want to share for today's sermon and what I want us to realize is that we all have a calling from God, a specific calling during this pandemic. And the way the Lord led my conviction was this. If, if you're a Christian, if you are a disciple, a follower of Jesus, your calling is not to just wait this out, to grind it out, to be patient, to count down the days and just check all the days off on the calendar until life can be normal again, to think these days are not just real life, it's just a blip in history, to just get used to living inside and be creative. That is not our calling, friends. We have a calling right now, and it is this. During this pandemic, all disciples of Jesus are called to show loving sacrifice to those who are hurting. See, I've been doing my part, staying home, social distancing, so I feel like I checked that box off and I'm doing a good job. But the problem that I realize is that just social distancing and staying home is not my calling. I've just been waiting passively, yearning for this to be over with. I can't wait for this to be over with. But I have so much more to do as a Christian right now. Doing my part physically is only the beginning. As a soldier for Jesus called to the front lines, we have a moral and spiritual responsibility that the Lord is giving all of us during these difficult times. Our sister Gloria just read for us today's passage from James chapter 2. And I want to point out verses 14 and 17. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? 
Can that faith save him? Verse 17, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So James is telling the church that we can identify ourselves as Christians or as people of faith. We can talk about having faith, but if there are no actions that back up that faith, that it is useless. He says in verse 17 that that kind of faith is dead. And the imagery that James is using is a human body with no spirit. A human body that's lifeless. In our case today, we would have a lifeless faith if all we're doing is all we're hoping that we do not get coronavirus, that we stay healthy, and then we sit on our couches just waiting for all this to be over. We cannot say that we are the church, that we are the people of God, and simply remain passive. We have a calling to be very proactive and sacrificially loving those who are hurting. If you're anything like me, you've been getting really worn out by all the bad news and you're desperate to see some positivity. So I've been looking for silver linings, unexpected blessings and good stories that make me smile. Um, You know, positives that come out of a really bad situation. And one of the most popular and talked about benefits that that have come out of the pandemic is the huge reduction in global pollution. So coronavirus has been really, really bad to human beings, but it's been really, really good to planet Earth. Take a look at some of these photos that I'll put up for you. The first one is from before and after in China. The next photo is from the northeast of the U.S. Take a look there at Boston and then um, New York, New Jersey. I know a lot of us are from there. The difference is so dramatic. Lastly, uh, I think this is the photo that went most viral. This is from New Delhi, India. Holy moly. What a difference it's made not having cars, buses, and motorcycles out and about every day. So I am very pro-environmentalism and being green. And so stories like this are very positive to me. Uh, They make me happy. So I'm glad and pleased to see uh, this type of story on the news. But you know what makes me sad? The only stories I see on the news about Christians are ones about Christians getting sick and getting each other sick at at services. Now, I know there's a big asterisk there. Um, The news, they all have an agenda. They're only going to put out stories that, you know, fits with that agenda. So I'm sure there are plenty of good things. I know there are plenty of good things happening that we'll just never see because the news will just never choose to show us. I understand that. But here's my dream cornerstone. My dream is that Christians would be so passionately and furiously stepping up during this pandemic that the effect of our sacrificial love would be more visible than the decrease of pollution in India. That it would be unavoidable to talk about Christians and their sacrificial love on the news stations, that social media and blogs would have nothing else to write about but us, that our actions and energy would be picked up in the way that satellite images are picking up decreased pollution and decreased traffic in the world. I'm praying that loving sacrifice from Christians would be the biggest positive news in 2020. If every follower of Jesus started to sacrificially love, we can make an impact like this.
we could make the websites of humanitarian organizations crash because of how many people are wanting to give. We could start a viral Instagram hashtag wave of people posting on how they are sacrificially loving. We could demand the attention of the world that we serve a loving king and his name is Jesus and he is risen and he is reigning and his government is one in which his followers are not called to be passive but are called to love just like he does. See, we're never going to forget this season ever. We're going to talk about 2020 for a long time saying things like, remember when we all got kicked out of our dorms? And they barely gave us notice. Remember when everyone was wearing masks all the time? Remember when we couldn't go to church on Easter? Remember when it was scary to go to the grocery store? Remember when everyone worked from home every day? I do not want to look back and remember 2020 and think, I remember that that was the most Netflix I've ever watched in my whole life. It would be a shame if an international pandemic goes by and it isn't remembered that the church responded so greatly. If what we remember the most is Tiger King binging and waiting for all of this to be over, I feel we would have missed on such a holy moment opportunity that God is giving us to be his witnesses. So let's change the narrative right now, today, please. Let's look back at 2020 and say, remember when so many Cornerstone members were loving sacrificially? Remember how many Christians stepped up to the front lines to serve? Remember how incredibly generous our church was? Remember how much love was spread during the coronavirus pandemic? Remember when COVID-19 coincided with Easter and although we were sad we couldn't be, be together, It was amazing because we had powerful witness that Jesus truly was alive because he was living inside of us and we acted as his hands and feet to a hurting world. Do you remember that? Remember how fervently we prayed for others outside of ourselves. Remember that? Let's not have a lifeless faith like James talks about. Lifeless like what the tomb of Jesus was supposed to be. Let's have a faith that is absolutely alive like Jesus when he victoriously came out of the tomb and as he is today. Don't live like Jesus died and is still in the tomb. Live as one who is called by a victorious, death-defeating, reigning Savior who is alive today and whose spirit is living inside of you and of me. So how do we love sacrificially? What does that mean? What does it look like? Who are we talking about? Well, James writes this, verse 15. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? See, James isn't just using a random example here of meeting basic human needs for the poor and lacking. He's being consistent with the entirety of Scripture that God cares for those who are in need and he demands his people to care for them. See, James even says in the previous chapter, in chapter 1, verse 27, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. See, we are called to love those who have less than we do 
those who are hurting, those who are in need. And in our circumstances today, it's people who have lost their jobs. The homeless who are already the vulnerable population and now we're hearing that they have the highest rates of coronavirus. People who are losing loved ones, people who are sick, any and all people who are experiencing brokenness because of COVID-19. Cornerstone, lovingly sacrifice for these people in your life and outside of your life. People that you know and people that you don't know. And here's some suggestions how. Firstly, pray. Please, please pray. Let's read verse 16 one more time. And one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? See, in verse 16, James is calling out empty lip service, saying, go in peace to people without doing anything to help them. If you and I are ever guilty of this, I know it isn't saying we will pray or saying we believe in the power of prayer and then doing nothing about it, not praying at all. Have you ever said to somebody, oh, I'll pray for you or texted with them, I'll be praying for you and just didn't pray for them? I mean, maybe it wasn't from a bad heart, you just completely forgot. But we can do that very often, can't we? The empty lip service of, oh, prayer is important, prayer is powerful, prayer is how we plead to God and, and we pray for each other and we love for each other and we can, all of us can be guilty of just not doing it at all. Please, please pray during this time. Do not let the world be in so much pain and then remain silent. Lift up your prayers to God. Pray outside of yourself for the hurting world. Lovingly sacrifice your time and your energy to pray. Pray with your roommates. Pray with your families. Pray on your own every day for those who are hurting because of COVID. Here's my call to all all of us as a church organizationally. CG leaders, I'm asking you directly to take this upon yourselves and to lead your CGs to pray for the world. Do not let a CG meeting happen without your group, at least for a short moment, even if it's 10 seconds, I don't care, short moment or long, it's up to you, praying for hurting people, countries, broken families, job loss, industries that are struggling, uh, restaurants that have had to close their doors after really faithfully working, um, the, the, the health professionals who are always at risk of bringing the disease home to their families and loved ones, grocery store workers, UPS and FedEx drivers, pray, pray for them. Ministry team leaders, life stage leaders, accountability groups, I'm asking you the same thing as well. Leaders of all meetings, if you have a cornerstone meeting and you're in charge of it, I'm asking you to take charge in praying. And members, when your leaders forget, I might forget, college core, worship ministry, whoever I'm with, if I forget, you tell me, let's pray, pray, pray. Secondly, love sacrificially by reaching out. If you know anyone in your life or outside of your life who is sick, who has a family member who is sick, who has lost a job or is struggling, reach out to them. Think less of yourselves and more of others. I know all of us are afraid. I know a lot of us are anxious. I know a lot of us are even struggling with depression. Let's think of others. Lovingly sacrifice your energy and time to let them know you're thinking of them and carry their burdens with them. Listen, we're on our phones more than ever in our entire lives. So all of us are capable of hitting the messages app or the FaceTime app and texting or calling someone to let them know you're thinking about them and that you love them. 
Another way to reach out is to serve. Do you know someone who's homesick or someone who can't get groceries or supplies on their own? Deliver food to them. Drop off groceries. Bring them supplies. Do you have extra cleaning supplies or, or masks or Purell? Give up some of your stock so that others can be protected and have that peace of mind too. Reach out. And lastly, give. We know that one day soon, the damaging health effects of this pandemic will be over. We know that one day we will have a vaccine. We know one day it's going to get better and hope, we hope that the date will be soon. But we have no idea how long the economic impact of this will last. They'll be ongoing and damaging for a long, long time. We know how many people are losing their jobs, how many small businesses are shutting down, how many people will depend on unemployment to survive, how many people will worry about how they're going to pay their rent and buy food, and how many people are going to be evicted and on the streets because of this. All of us can lovingly sacrifice by giving our money to those in need. Some of us have very small margins. Some of us have big margins. So give according to your means, to your margins, but let us be a church that gives generously according to our means and our margins. As you know, uh, many Americans will be receiving a $1,200 check in our bank accounts um, from the federal government. And a few weeks ago, Inji and I, we discussed what would it be like if we gave away our federal stimulus check? And we had a discussion of whether or not we should give ours away because, yeah, there are people who could use it a lot more than us. And so we hadn't made a final decision. We said, you know what, that's that's a tough call. It's, it's a lot of money. But um, let's sit on it, let's pray on it, and then let's talk about it again in, in a couple of days. And <laughs> coincidentally, between that time of talking about it and then saying we'll talk about it again, um, Unji received the news that her company has was going to go ahead and lay off 20% of their staff. And uh, thankfully, don't worry, uh, she still has her job. But we've realized and had a very rude awakening that she's not safe. If her company continues to struggle, that she is definitely um, at risk of being on the chopping block and she would lose her job. So we brought back the conversation again and now it was a little bit different. Uh, we talked about giving away our stimulus checks, uh, $2,400, and you might not have a job at, at any moment. And so we prayed about it. And we wondered, what do we do? What would we do if you lose your job? What's going to happen to us? How are we going to pay our mortgage and our bills? Shouldn't we hold on to it? And, and we could be responsible with our stimulus checks. We're not going to go out and buy things with like, like clothes and, and video games or whatever. We're, we'll just save it for, for as a rainy day fund in case you lose your job. And so we prayed about it. And then the next day we talked about it. And I think the Spirit led us in such a sweet way where we decided as a couple that we would not live in fear. As long as we have jobs today is what we decided. As long as we have, are healthy today. As long as today there are people who are less fortunate than us, we're going to live generously today. We're not going to live in fear. So we are going to give away the $2,400 and we're praying that the organization that takes it will give it to exactly the right family that God knows needs it so desperately right now. And we're praying that it would be known to them that it was because of Jesus' love for us 
that they are receiving that money. And after we made that decision, we felt so much peace and joy. We were afraid before we made the decision. And then after we did, all of a sudden the fear was gone. And if she does lose her job, we are not going to regret it. Not for one second. We are never, ever as a family going to regret sacrificially loving others because that's what Jesus did for us. And if the question is, well, what if you end up hurting? Well, it's in the word sacrifice. Sacrifice is not comfortable. And we never want to regret it because of what Jesus did for us. So if you can give away your stimulus check, I want to challenge you to give it away so someone else can be blessed by it. And I don't share this story to boast about, look how generous Unji and I are. I share this story to say, the leaders at Cornerstone, we're not just wanting to give you empty lip service either. We want to lead by example and then not just pull you along, but invite you along for us to lovingly sacrifice together as a church family. Give it away if you can. Some of you can give that amount, donate it. Some of you can, are doing really well financially. You can give more than $1,200 each. Give more. Please consider that. Some of you are unable to do that. It would not be financially wise for you to give it all away. And I want to challenge you to give some of it. And so here's some ideas. Give the amount you pay rent per month. If you pay $800 a month for rent in your apartment, give that away so that someone else won't lose their apartment. Give the amount of a full grocery cart. Maybe you can't pay 800 bucks, but if you, get a, if, if you get a week's worth of groceries for $200, then give that amount so someone else can also have a week's worth of groceries. Maybe you are really, really tight on money and you really can't give it much at all. And the federal, stimu- federal stimulus check coming to you is, is, is a gift from God. I also still have a suggestion for you. Think about the last meal you ate that God provided for you. Maybe it was $12. Give $12 so someone else can have a meal that God provided for them through your generosity. For all of us, giving and not giving, giving a lot, giving a little, I want to ask you something first. Before you give, before you decide yes or no, pray. Give it to God first and then decide. Don't let your fear lead you. Don't let emotions lead you. Let the Spirit lead you to generosity. In summary, all of God's children, God's frontline soldiers, let's pray, let's reach out, and let's give. Let's lovingly sacrifice. Last Sunday was Easter Sunday, and we had such an encouraging and joyful time celebrating together. I was so overjoyed. My heart was like overflowing from the time we had, especially because of how beautifully everybody responded um, in such a weird and strange time. Wasn't it so awesome to see how we joyfully celebrated the risen Savior even though we had to do it alone in our homes? But remember, that joy came after mourning. Good Friday happened first. The crucifixion happened first. The worst day in all of history preceded Easter, the greatest day in all of history. Terrible news came before the good news. Holy Weekend was a terrible thing that happened that God turned into a wonderful blessing. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can see how God can bring the greatest and brightest light out of even the darkest, darkest 
times, the deepest darkness. Today, we are living in a monumentally bad and dark moment in human history. 2020 COVID-19 pandemic will go down in the history books. So let us, by the Holy Spirit empowering the children of God, respond with an equally monumentally large response of love because Jesus is our risen King. May God use His bride, the church, to be the blazing light in the darkness of COVID-19. Our God takes even the worst situations and can turn them around and bring joy and life. And so our God can use the church to take this terrible situation of COVID-19 and make it into something beautiful. And I believe God is calling on us, waiting on us, to make the greatest global impact in response to a global crisis, to make global witness to who is the true king and true source of healing that this world needs right now. So step up, brothers and sisters. Offer yourself to God to use you to be his light in this dark moment by the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. We do not have a dead savior, so let us not have a faith that is dead. We have a risen and reigning savior. So may our faith come alive and mobilize us to love like he does. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let us rise up in his name and to his glory. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, you are risen and reigning in all the world, in all the earth. You are in charge. You have full power. And so we come before you humbly asking, Lord, that you would just shine your light in all the world. We ask that, but we also offer ourselves to be used for that purpose, that you would raise up Cornerstone Church as an organization, but down to every single individual. Use us, Lord, to bring light in this dark hour. May we be your witnesses to the watching world. May we resemble Christ Jesus. And may we take action to pray, to lift others up in love through our prayers, to reach out, to be your hands and feet, and to give, to be generous with what you have given us to steward. We pray that you would be glorified in it and that your children whom you love all around the world would be healed by the loving touch of Jesus in the hands and feet of his disciples. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this service, for this way for us to be together. And we thank you for your good word to us. We want to rise up now as you are risen, living not in fear, but living in confidence and hope that you are with us and you empower us. So bless the world through our church and would it be to all your glory. We pray in your name. Amen.